guys had grown apart. What was it like when you, how, how did it happen that you actually formally decided, you know what, let's do something else? Well, it, it um, I think uh, part of what had been going on was Steve and I were doing other things outside of the group. Like we did a short tour with Shaka and things like that, which may have, um, May uh, may have affected the situation a little bit, but it was still number one commitment was AWB. That was it. That was our our thing, you know. But um, what eventually happened was uh, one day, well, I remember it one Saturday morning. I uh, got the the local paper in Connect. I was living in Connecticut by that time. I'd moved out of Manhattan, and the local Stamford papers. Was, Alan Gorey is leaving the average white band to start a solo career. And I thought, oh, okay. I saw him to tell me. And I got very angry for a minute. Uh, I was going to jump in the car and drive over and see him. And then I, I just kind of, I started to calm down. And I thought, yeah, this is this is good. Maybe this is time we should just knock it on the head then, because it's uh, it's obviously not. It was obviously not happening. And if Alan wants to do that, then fine. Let's let's forget it. Uh, and uh, I think I spoke to Roger after that, and Steve and Molly, and we just went our went our merry way. And then for the next two or three months. I sat at home and watched soap operas and <laughs> wondered, what am I going to do now? Because it was time, first, more, more time first, to listen to frogs. <laughs> yeah, no, it was the first time in my life since age fifteen that I wasn't in a band. All of a sudden, I'd always been in a band. So, what was I going to do now? And it took me a long time to. To kind of come to terms with that and, and I just decided to keep on writing songs and I moved to LA and uh, and did that until I got the call and, and did a couple of things outside of that David Sanborn called me up a couple of years later around about 86 or 85 or 86 and uh, said you want to come to New York and do some shows and we'll, we'll do do a couple of songs in the show and we're going to do a live record. I was like, great, yeah, okay. And went and did that. We did. Uh, I wound up coming on in the middle of the show. We did a Pittsburgh and Cleveland and places like that. Come on, I'm doing two songs. It was like a weird out of body experience for me because I'd never done that before. It was like you're just getting warmed up and you got to leave again. Yeah. But we got a nice record out of that, that live version of uh, Love and Happiness. That was that was fun to do, and and I I did a little bit of producing during that time, and then eighty seven I got the call from Paul's Paul McCartney's manager. Uh, you want to come and get involved in this? And I spent the next six years doing that. Yeah, I got to jump right in there because you know I you know this is bef well before the internet and those kinds of things, so it was a lot more challenging to keep up with. You know, guys from bands, what they were doing. Um, yeah. And so in your case, I didn't know, you know, what was Hamish Stewart doing? You know, where, where, where is he? And, uh, 
I remember seeing Paul McCartney perform somewhere, and I'm like, that's Hamish. Wow, he's in Bob McCartney's band now. I'm like, and I'm telling, you know, whoever's around, hey, that's from AWB, you know, and, and that was great to see you there. And uh, I was always wondering how you guys came together. Well, I was I was kind of when 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 it finished and I was suddenly not in a band, I decided to stay not in a band, and I I I'd kind of had enough of the road for a while, and my son had just been born, my family was really young, and I thought, okay, it's the time to not be on the road, and uh, and and that's what happened. So I didn't I the only live thing I did between. 82 and 87 was the thing with David Sanborn. It was like five or six shows and that, that was it. Um, apart from that, I spent the time writing songs. And then when the Paul thing came up, I, I realized how much I missed performing and uh, it got me back into it again. So what, what is he really like and what was it like performing with him and what's like a memory that you'll cherish from working with Paul yeah. Curtis? It was it was great. It was um, uh, I just arrived at, at his studio and I was like, just hey, come on and let us have a cup of tea and a sandwich and and, and let's have a jam, okay. And we had a drummer and Nicky Hopkins was playing piano, and we jammed a little song together and that was the beginning of things and uh, and immediately it was just great to sing with because he's a great singer, you know. Uh, and we had a lot of fun. He had a bunch of songs that were almost completed and things that he'd been working on with other people. Um, and slowly but surely we got that band together and made the record Flowers in the Dirt. There were a lot of background vocals and a lot of, uh, a lot of singing together and it was, it was great. And then going on the road playing Playing the Marrakan Eye in Rio to a quarter of a million people, and he'd never been to South America before, so it was complete insanity, total Beatlemania, an experience of a whole other level of uh, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> what well, was it? Kind of nice in a way, being uh, not being the center of attention, and so while well, you know he's getting all that craziness, you can kind of do more of your own thing and that and look at it from a distance yeah it was it was it was great being a part of it and i cut my teeth on quite a lot of the songs that we wound up playing you know there were songs that uh, some of the first things i learned on guitar things like can't buy me love and stuff like that you know things that i'd played in youth clubs when i was a when i was a kid you know so it was it was great to do all that with one of the originators and be part of that thing and and and, uh, and do them right you know do try and do them justice and i got to play a lot of bass as well because it enabled paul to play piano and let it be and lady madonna and all those kind of things and and uh, and then play guitar he loved to play guitar so it freed me up to i played bass like 50 percent of the shows it allowed me to do all wear all my hats <laughs> was, like he very, was he very very aware of AWB's catalog? Was he a fan at all? Sorry? What was was Paul very aware of AWB's legacy and, and song catalog? Was he a fan at all? 
some of it, and he was aware, very aware of it. And he, him and Linda had been at that uh, Eric Clapton gig, where we we kind of we were launched uh, on the the uh, um, it was it was like a there's an audience full of uh, you know the great and the near great, so everybody knew about us, and and Paul was uh, Paul wanted some of some of the R and B thing as well. He was a big huge fan of R and B, so. It was nice to have that in his band, I think, and he encouraged that too. So you went on after that to work with a lot of big names. Um, tell me some of those highlights and how you came to work with some of the other folks. Uh, well, uh, well, Aretha was just uh, that was through Arif. He just called me in to do something, you know, and was, uh, that was great, and and. I'd met her a few times, and of course we were huge fans. And the fact that she was on Atlantic, we were, we were kind of there, you know. So that was that was great. Um, uh, well, working with Shaka, making those records with Shaka was so much fun. It was just just an ex playing music and having fun, you know, being involved in putting the tracks together and. And being being allowed sort of creative reign inside of inside of things was was really great. Did did you get to spend much time with her actually in the studio? Oh yeah, yeah. With, well, three albums with, with Shaka. It was uh, what, what was she like to uh, work with? Great, a breeze. You know, she just she, she loved. Being around the the guys, the players, because she was, she wanted, she was a frustrated drummer, you know. She was a musician, anyway, you know, and uh, and she had huge admiration admiration for like Mike Brecker and, and Anthony and Steve, and so she was always she was she liked to be in in the thick of it, which which she'd always been with Rufus, you know. Remember, like when when we got to know those that group. They'd invite us, you know, oh, we're, we're cutting the new album down at the record plant, come down and hang, you know, open invitation. So we got to know each other before we actually worked together. So that was, uh, that was a plus. But great, great to work with, real easy, you know. And a reef being there as well was, was perfect. Yeah, I'm thinking there's probably times where she must have unleashed those notes like only she can do were in the studio, you would probably just be like, wow. Yeah, okay, that's love. Yeah, yeah, more. <laughs> <laughs> and then she'd come up with singing harmony with herself, doing those background vocal parts. It's just stunning sometimes. Yeah. She, amazing, uh, and real incredible rhythmic things and, and with outrageous little bits of harmony as well. It's great. A super voice. Oh, incredible. Really, really unique. Yeah. I remember the first time I ever heard her, uh, exact time and place. I just, we were on our first tour of Europe and we checked into this hotel in Rotterdam and I got into the hotel and I put the radio on and tell me something good was playing. And I'd never heard it before. It had just come out. And I was like, who's this? This is, wow, this is like, it's like the first time I heard Aretha. It's like this voice is unique. You know, just great. Super talent.
1989, Alan decided to get AWB going again. And, you know, was there any dialogue with you or Steve or the other guys? Uh, how did that happen? And how did you feel about him starting that up again? Well, uh, I'd heard that there was something happening. And uh, uh, well, at that point, I hadn't been included. But I think uh, Alan and I had kind of fallen out by then anyway. And, and so I called him up and we were just, we were kind of like like two boxers that nobody wants to throw the first punch. You know, so nothing, we kind of talked and basically didn't say anything. All I said were really that I, I didn't want to go on the road uh, at that point. And, uh, and it just, uh, I didn't want to do it, basically. Anyway, I was. I was when when it was for me when it was over. It was over. It stopped because it wasn't very good anymore. You know, we we we'd lost a lot of what we had, and I didn't think at that point there was enough distance and enough. Uh, I just wasn't ready to do it again. And, and so I, I, I didn't, <laughs> and that, that was my decision. I wanted to do other things like uh, the, the working with David Sanborn, and, and I've had great opportunities to work, like working with Quincy Jones and, and various other people that probably I wouldn't have been able to do if I'd still been concentrating on, on the group, working with Paul, working with Ringo, working with Mick Taylor, working, you know, just, Lots of other things. Yeah. Uh, I I wanted to move on. You know, it still would be great to uh, to do it again, some sometime. And people have been trying to get us to do it recently, but I think Alan's very happy doing what he's with the lineup that he's got now and doing what he's doing. So I I don't see it happening. I saw a clip on YouTube recently and i think it was more recent um but it had all you guys in it you were wearing a kilt oh yeah that yeah. was the atlantic 40th anniversary at madison square garden and that was the last time all six of us played together that was 87. oh was that, that long ago yeah the band had the the new band had been going for a little while at that point um maybe a year i think maybe two years um, and we got together to do that, uh, and that was it. That was the last time, and it was kind of, it was kind of weird, yeah. <laughs> but it's something we had to do. Yeah, we had to honour Atlantic and Amit and Arif and Wexler, and it, was, it had to be done. There was a very impressive, comprehensive box set that came out of. Uh, all of AWB's works about a year ago. I think it's like 19 CDs or something. Did you have any involvement in that at all? Did anyone reach out to you? All, all the pieces, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. The box, the white box. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, sleeve notes and, and things. I spoke to the guy who was who was writing all the, the sleeve notes, and we uh, just about how things were put together and how things happened, just so everybody, everybody's take on it was there. 
Oh, great. Mainly myself and Alan with quotes from Molly and Oni and Roger and Steve. Very good. You know, the name of this show is Truth and Rhythm. So I like to ask guests, uh, Hamish, you know, for you, what, you know, what is it in the music you do that makes it speak to you, speak truth to you? How do you keep it honest in what you create? Um, when I'm writing, I just try to keep it as, um, I write all the time and I, I write to please myself which I've always done, which we always did as a group. It's what the average white man did. We, we did please each other. Um, now, I'm pleasing, now I'm pleasing just myself. And it, it's um, just trying to keep it as, as real and as truthful as possible and try to improve my songwriting, uh, which I think is, is coming along. I think that the things that I've written in the last two years are probably the best things I've ever written. There's a handful of songs that are really strong that I'm just beginning to uh, to work on putting together just now. And there's some some of the stuff that's on the uh, the new th 360 record from that batch. A batch of about 20 songs, that are really solid. And I just there's a there's a great quote uh, from Bill Evans. It's something I think it's. It's part of the liner notes on uh, the piano vocal record that they did in 1975, Bill Evans and Tony Bennett. And uh, Tony Bennett saying that the, 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 th the, two th the things that, that Bill Evans said to him was, there's only two things that are important, truth and beauty. And I think that's, that kind of says it right there. It's trying to get something beautiful and, and in whatever way it's beautiful, if it's, it's a beautiful piece of funk or whatever, you know, but truth and beauty, this is, it's a good, uh, good way to, good, good target. <laughs> Certainly truth anyway, I always like to, I always feel better if I've uh, been truthful in uh, interviews and things like that. Well, I think that's one of the um, most common things that undermine a lot of uh, artists is a kind of stop being totally truthful and they you know give in to you know a label wanting them to be something that they're not and that kind of thing so, so. well we, we fought against that with Aristotle <laughs> we kind of we kind of lost the battle it was like 50 50 I think it was a draw of that one we <laughs> broke up and yeah whatever um, but yeah you definitely have to just keep trying to do the best work you can I think so let's talk more about the new record, 360 Band. Um, you know, how did you guys come back together, uh, you and Steve and, and Molly? And um, how did you come up with the name of the group? And then we'll talk about a few of the cuts. Well, it was, uh, it was uh, Steve was being honored by, uh, was it not the Drummer's Hall of Fame, but it was a, uh, 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 something similar anyway where he puts his hands in cement and they put it up on the wall the guitar center wall of fame uh, and Questlove was presenting him with the plaque and all that kind of stuff uh so uh steve called up and he tried to get everybody from 
AWB to come out and play in LA with him on his his night. Uh, Alan and Ronnie had a gig. Roger couldn't make it for health reasons, so it was just me and Molly. Uh, and Will Lee came, and Larry Williams came and played alto and piano. Ben Montage from Tom Petty's band, and a great Israeli guitar player called Oznoy. Mm -hmm. Jazz funk player. He's amazing. Uh, oh, he's great. And he, 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 was, he was great on the gig because he, he really reined in all his chops and he just came to play for Steve. And he was great to play with on the, on the front of, from being another guitar player. You know, you find somewhere else to go, you complement each other. It's that counterpoint thing, the two guitars that we always had in whatever we did together. And we did half a dozen songs that Steve was instrumental in uh, from our old catalogue. We did a half an hour, and we came off, and went, well, we've got to do this again. So it took us a year to, to put it together when we all had a window. And uh, I put Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club in London. We got a couple of nights there, and we put a, a show in Scotland. And just before, about a few weeks before we were supposed to do it, this guy from the studio, Paul Madden, came to me and said, uh, do you guys want to come in the studio and make a record? And we'll, we'll just put it out on vinyl and uh, then you can go and do whatever you want with it. So, okay, great. Yeah. So we rehearsed in the studio and when we finished the rehearsals for the shows, uh, which we did the whole of Soul Searching, that was the show from, from beginning to end in, you know, as it is on the album. That was the way we were going to do the show. So we did that and then we cut nine tracks in four or five days. And then I slowly finished up the vocals and we, Molly did the whatever horn overdubs needed doing. And we finished up and mixed and, uh, and that was it. We punted around the songs that we had. Steve brought one, Molly brought one, the rest all came. I had a couple of covers, um, an old Ray Charles tune that I've been doing for years called, uh, it was written by Louis Armstrong's missus. <laughs> It's called uh, Just for a Thrill. Yep. It's, on, it's on a Ray Charles album from like about 1956. Great song. So we did that. I knew Steve would know how to play that because he loved Ray and he played with him a few times. So he was the right, it was right. It, was, it fit what we were doing. Uh, and the rest of the songs were mine. That I I'd already had some couple of new ones and some that I'd already been playing. That comprised the record. So, you know, in hearing, hearing the record, enjoyed it immensely. Um, what really jumps out to me is just the overall musicianship is tremendous throughout it all. I mean, it's just, you're, you can't not know you're hearing, you know, really pros and skilled musicians. It's got a very big sound with horns and the keyboards are great. Um, just stellar playing throughout, and it sounds good. Thank you. Yeah, the, well, the, the guys that I pulled in from here, from London, are the guys that I've worked with over the years, and they're all really terrific players, and I trust them totally, and they understand what I'm doing, and what I, and they're huge. Steve, the bass player, was just so jazzed to get to play with Steve Ferroni. You know, he he played some of the best. I've ever heard him play, and uh, it, it was great. 
and uh, it just worked. They're listeners, you know. They they complement each other. There's lots of little conversations taking place, and it was a fun record to do. And we did it the old-fashioned way. As I say, when when we cut the first track, Steve and I sat, listened to the playback, and this is just like the old days. This is great. This is going to be really good, and and we were pleased. Everybody's pleased with the way it turned out. Really happy with the way the record sounds, and the, as you say, the playing is stellar throughout. The guys all played wonderfully, you know. And Molly's Molly's sound now is so his playing's matured so much in his sound as well as just his general his his playing and Steve's groove. The pocket is so deep. It's, yeah, yeah. It's beyond, uh, it's just so great to play with them again and to get to play a couple of tunes on bass with them as well. I really hope that I could do that. Yeah, one of those tunes is uh, uh, Put Your Hands to the Sky, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's got a very nice slow kind of funk vibe to it. And, you know, it yep. definitely harkens back, I think, to the schoolboy crush I brought up at the outset. <laughs> yeah, it does have a flavor of that, definitely. And as soon as I heard that, well, Steve and I both, that Molly brought that in, and Steve and I, let, he had two songs, and and Molly said, what about that one? He said, no. We both went, no, that one. <laughs> That's the one, because it had that it had that thing. It was a great groove. And, and I love the way it happens on the record. Coming, there's no gap after the, the song, the previous song, it's just like right into it. The tempo change is lovely. As, rather than have a gap, it's great. It's, oh, well, where are we going now? From, right, from it starts off with the, uh, with, with the Muhammad Ali tribute. Uh, yeah. And I like the way too, like on that uh, opening track and later on on the one that you mentioned at the outset, which um, harkens back to the pick up the pieces story um it's a uh, hip to hip yeah. Th yeah those both you took enough time to really fully develop and flush them out one's close to seven minutes one's over seven minutes yeah I love when bands do that you know and get deep into something well the the, the original mighty fall was about four minutes i wrote it with a with a friend of mine um and it was on his record a guitar player uh, called Richard Niles, an American arranger who lived in London here for a long time. We wrote that song and it was on a, an album of his. And about six months later, I thought, I didn't write enough. Ali's story is much bigger. And, I, and obviously you can't tell the whole story. So I wrote these other two verses that we I tagged on as part two and kind of cut down a lot of the chords and things. And, and it became a seven minute song just because it had to, to tell more of a story, you know? And the same thing with the other song, I'd got to the, the kind of middle of it, two hip, um, and I realized that I had to go somewhere else with it. I had to bring it back to the beginning and, and have the last verse about how Robbie and I met and the, when we were kids and, and so on and how great he was back then. So it's like the story of AWB and, and Robbie and his, his death and then kind of back to kind of finish on a, 
positive note and then the groove going just going out we carry on you know yeah that song uh, comes off almost like a suite you know in the way it's structured um and get great uh sax throughout um yeah yeah, yeah Molly great on that really, wanted, good, really good keys also yeah jim watson played played beautifully on that one he played great piano a real heavy Every Hancock style. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I eat that stuff up. Oh, he's, a, he's a great player, Jim. He, and, and Ross Stanley, the, the, the guy. They kind of traded off. When they come and do my gig sometimes, they'll do one on Hammond and one on Fender Rhodes. And they'll kind of, in between songs, where are you going? Where are you going? And they swap over. You know, it's like, no, I want to play Hammond on that. You know. They, so there's always a great thing going on there. They're both fantastic players. Nice. Are you guys planning to, to tour much? Do you think uh, you might uh, come to uh, my neck of the woods anytime? Um, I hope so. Next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next year. We hope to do some stuff here and, and hope to do some stuff in the States next year. But um, this year is kind of difficult. Steve, most of the year, Steve's out with Tom Petty. Uh, so we can't do that. So I'm, I'm doing some things with Molly here and some things on on my own with my band and uh, and I've got a record to produce come uh, the turn of the year. So it'll probably be springtime or into the summer. That's what we're actually looking at at the moment. Well, you know what? The 360 band record ought to be in everyone's hands by then. They'll be familiar with it. That could be a good time. Yeah, I, I think so. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll have kind of crept out there a little more by then. We get a proper American release. I think uh, is the next, the next phase. It's now that the record came out here, eighteenth of August. So it's, it's everywhere now, here, and we've been getting some good reviews, really nice reviews, and, and good press on it here. So it's, uh, it's we have to move on now. But it's available on Spotify and Amazon and things like that. So hopefully enough, if enough people start to learn about it, they'll start to find it out there and uh, maybe it'll creep in there before yeah. we, we actually get out and play some. Well, we'll definitely help get the word out uh, through here and also on, on the website. Um, I wanted to mention also on this record, kind of a carryover from what we're talking about with some of the later AWB band albums, and that's, um, you know, the, the varied rhythmic uh, qualities of the record. You know, I, um, there's several in a row, I think, from uh, Loose Change and Love and Learn and uh, Cherry Blossom Time. You know, it's like a, a bit of a reggae flavor. It's a bit of Latin elements. Yeah. You've got uh, some jazzy bossa nova kind of stuff going on through those cuts. Well, is there something uh, in the last... 10 or 15 years, maybe the last 20 years, my, my interest personally in, in Brazilian music has increased and, uh, and I've learned a lot more about it and the harmony in, in Brazilian music. Uh, and I, I tried to kind of fuse that with R&B. So it's more of a, a kind of R&B Brazilian kind of, kind of thing. That's what I'm trying to achieve personally, uh, and but but Steve was always great at playing uh, Brazilian things and Latin things, so it kind of, it was perfect for him. Like Love and Learn was perfect for him, you know. 
that slightly kind of Latin thing. Uh, so it's, that's where I'm trying to go. I'm trying to kind of fuse the funk with uh, Brazilian harmony and, and, and melody, mm -hmm. really. And that's what I'm trying to do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you're hearing those things. Maybe I, I, I'm slightly, I'm, I'm reaching, achieving it in some way, shape, or form. That's good. Absolutely. <laughs> Always interesting to hear those elements kind of coming together in different ways. Yeah. And then you mentioned the, the record closes with the uh, the cover song just for a thrill, and that's you know very uh, kind of bluesy standard kind of flavor to it. Um, nice closer. I would say for anyone who's um, you know an AWB fan, you know you've got a couple of cuts that rekindle the funk and two hip, and um, the other one that we talked about. I haven't got all the tiles memorized yet. Uh, put your hands to the sky. You got some yeah. mid mid tempo stuff like. Um, Mighty, uh, Mighty Fall, yeah, and um, Loose Change. Um, you got old school ballads like Some Other Time, yeah. So I think you got a bit of everything on there and some new stuff too. So I think they'll definitely enjoy it. Well, hopefully it, it's the, the. I think the material is all pretty solid. So hopefully, it, uh, and the playing is so so good, so stellar as you said. I think there's. There's a lot of quality there, so hopefully it's got a long, a long shelf life. Yeah, the playing is impeccable. You know, I mean, we moved too far away in a lot of ways from that kind of that kind of playing. Well, it, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Like some other time was that I became acquainted with that song through the Tony Bennett, Bill Evans, piano vocal record, and I just I loved the song immediately, and. <laughs> I learned. I tried to learn what the harmony that Bill Evans was playing, and, and kind of adapted it to the, the guitar. And I thought, how can I make this work in in a way that we can play it? And and there's a note, there's a Donny Hathaway tune called "Sackful of Dreams" that's on the I think it's a live album called "In Performance," which I've always loved. And the groove is from is taken from that. I thought, how can just like marry these two things together then it makes it makes sense to what what it makes sense with the other music that we're going to play um and it's also a, a, a an homage to to donny always yeah he's an amazing amazing talent and still you know to this day is like so it's chills, all, chills oh, and shiver in the spine kind of stuff. Oh yeah, and his daughter, Layla, Layla. stunning. She's amazing. Talent so, in the family. I'm sorry. The uh, talent in that family is. She, she sounds like a female version of him as well. The tonality of, of, of oh, it's just great, wonderful. What's your take on today's music? Um, <clears throat> We're talking about how great the playing is on this new record of yours 360 band. What about what's coming out today? Do you still have uh, faith in what you're hearing out there? Um, what do you think? I th I think in in the pop music scene that's got very very bland um, And I th and, and R&B seems to have become the pop music 
of the day now and I, I kind of I miss some of the tradition uh, there don't seem to be as many great new singers around I, 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 and I think there's an awful lot of uh, uh, people a lot of singers seem to be ignoring the melody now and, and embellishing things so much that the, the the tune gets the melody gets lost and I kind of miss that and, and when there's somebody kind of retro comes along so it's kind of like a breath of fresh air to me um, I don't I don't actually listen to a lot of new music um, I spend my time more kind of listening to listen to older music, going back to stuff that I really love, um, like Marvin and 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 Donny Hathaway and people like that. And I, I that's kind of the well that I go back to. Uh, and I yeah, I just like to kind of forge ahead and try and create whatever new music I can. And of course, AWB's grooves have been sampled quite a bit in hip-hop and rap music. How do you feel about that? Um, it was, it's, uh, it's great. It's, uh, the whole sampling thing is very weird because some things, it, it, it works great. And, and other times, I've, people have sent me things where I can't even hear the sample anymore because they just used it as their basic. But um, some things are really interesting. Uh, other things, not. It's just it still takes creativity to do it right. Oh, absolutely! I, I, when I first got wind of what was happening, it, I, and and knew, met some people that were doing it, I I got it. And some of the things they were doing was very creative. Yeah. It's great mixing up samples from from different samples for, uh, and creating a groove from them is a, an interesting way to go. One thing I neglected to mention before we get away from the, the 360 band is your voice and vocals sound great still. And um, you know, do you do anything to kind of keep that instrument in in good shape? I just try and sing as as often as often as I can. It's funny. Uh, there's been a couple of reviews recently that have been uh, commenting on. Somebody said the voice sounds a bit weathered now. And they love saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and there have been a couple of less than complimentary things. Like somebody, there was one review stated that um, this would be a great record except for the vocals. I thought, hang on. I can't be losing it. I, I, you know, I, I, I'll know when when it's bad. I'll stop. And and thanks for uh, your compliment. It, it, I've lost some of the high end. You know, I just, I, somebody said, uh, "Oh yeah, you can't quite make those those high notes on a specific song." But yeah, that was. Forty years ago, I recorded that song. When I hey, was, you know what? You, you've you've held on to it a lot better than Robert Plant. I'll tell you that. 
I, I'm, I'm, I wish I could get a little more of the high end that I did have, and I'm working on trying to redevelop that because I think it, it still can be dredged out. But I, I just got, I've got a lot of work to do, and I'm, I've just kind of started a program this last couple of weeks. I had a, I had a long uh, run of a few gigs, and I was a little tired after it, so I, I rested up for a couple of weeks. And last week I started working, building, building up again, and uh, it's it's going to take some hard work, but I think I can get a little bit more of that back. But I'm glad that you uh, you, you think it's still there. <laughs> hey, well, the proof in the pudding is really if you can still uh, really do the uh, high parts smoothly for you know like Schoolboy Crush or. You know, the, the, the hey, wait a minute stuff. And well, I, I still do cloudy in the same key. I did change the key for a while, and it was like that one too. Yeah, I've got to sing it in the original key. That's it, and and it's okay. It's uh, I can still make it. So well, a lot of that stuff is is kind of falsetto, but I don't know if I would really call it falsetto. How do you categorize it? Um, it kind of drifts between chest and and falsetto, and and some. Some of it is not a true falsetto. Uh, I don't. I don't know how I would describe it. Actually, <laughs> I have to get somebody with more knowledge than I to to uh, to to figure that one out. I just uh, it's Hamish. That's what it is. Do what I can, and, and that's what comes out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still love it. Sometimes so. me, yeah. I'm just very glad, um, and so many viewers and listeners are too, that you're still out there doing what you do and um, you know keep on doing it you know you've got an audience out there uh, don't ever think that you don't um, well, I'll, keep, I'll keep doing it until I fall over <laughs> <laughs> that's why I've had people come on and say musicians don't retire they go until they leave this earth yeah. well unless unless vocally it becomes I, I start to get it starts to get too oh, 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 oh you know if if the vibrato starts to get uncontrollable and uh, and I I start to lose my sense of pitch, then I'll definitely stop because I think that's but that that's the clue that's the cue. When it's not doing what you want it to do, then you got to stop. Yeah, well, that's when you go to you know half hour versions of pick up the pieces and going home <laughs> and all those tracks. <laughs> What again? <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Three sixty. Yeah. <laughs> or is it just three guys over sixty? <laughs> so, uh, Hamish, what's the best way for fans to keep in touch with what's going on with you and and follow you and all that um, stuff? There is, as far as three sixty is concerned, there is a Facebook, uh, an official three sixty official three sixty band official page, Facebook page, and that's where everything gets posted um, I have uh, uh, a website but it's in the middle of it's in the middle of transition right now so I wouldn't I wouldn't use that at all um, so it's the 360 one is the one the best one at the moment and I, I'm just trying to get up to speed on Twitter mm. as well <laughs> but uh, you know it's uh, it's an alien life form for me. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, you know, you got out of your comfort zone to do this, so you never know. Hey, yeah, yeah. That's it. I managed to get this together. Well, I did get some help, but this is great. <laughs> that now that it now that it's up and running, I can do this whenever I like. Terrific. Needed. Was well, there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Um, nothing really that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I, I, I tend to come up with uh, my thoughts after the fact, you know, things that I would like to have said. But uh, I just uh, um, thanks for getting in touch. And uh, I hope uh, that in some way this is. Uh, uh, been enlightening in some way, and, and uh, the uh, I'm really excited about this new record. I'm really pleased that it's starting to get out there, and I enjoyed so much actually playing with Steve and Molly again. It's it's, been, it's really great, and uh, the live shows that we've done have been great as well. So uh, we look forward to doing more of it. New in the new year. <laughs> there will be uh, Chauncey Gardner. Uh, there will be growth <laughs> in the spring. <laughs> there will be growth in the spring. <laughs> All right. Well, just hang in there for a minute while I uh, close this up for us. Okay. So with that, it's time to wrap up this edition of Truth and Rhythm. A huge thanks. To my special guest, legendary former AWB member and Curry th uh, current 360 band member uh, and superstar Sessions Ace, Hamish Stewart. Thank you so much again. Uh, thanks for your generosity of sharing time uh, and your amazing experiences. We really appreciate it. It's been an honor. Also, sincere thank you to our viewers and listeners. Be sure to look out for upcoming Truth and Rhythm episodes and catch up with previous installments at funkinstuff.net and on YouTube iTunes and other leading podcast providers. If you're a music fan wanting to see a particular um, artist on this show, or you're an artist who wants to be on the show, drop me an email at scottg at funkinstuff.net, and we'll see if we can't get that done for you. With that, until next time, and on behalf of Hamish Stewart, this is Scott Goldfine saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah.